Welcome to Women's Health, Wisdom, and Wine, a weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily women's health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email at info at To learn more about our team's approach to care, visit our website at www.larinawhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, remember to follow the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and tap on the bell to make sure you never miss an episode. Let us know what is your favorite topic, who has been your favorite guest, and who would you like to hear from on the next pod. Most importantly, share the podcast and your favorite episode with a friend or colleague. Lastly, remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. Coming up, I talk with Renee Yvonne about all things sex, including libido, desire, pleasure, arousal, erotic script, and even consent. So grab yourself a glass of Sauvignon Blanc and we'll join the conversation after a brief word from our partner. Maintaining your strength and a healthy heart as you age helps promote healthy living and hence quality of life for all people as they age. To help prevent the natural decline of muscle and heart function, it's important to make sure you're getting the nutrition your body needs and not just any nutrition, but science-backed nutrition like life by the AminoCo. You can take AminoCo's life formula as part of your normal routine to help maintain muscle mass as you age, maintain good heart health, and increase longevity as you age. AminoCo's life is a patented blend of essential amino acids that works to improve quality of life and lengthen total lifespan so you can stay healthy and active as you age. Life has been shown in clinical trials to clinically improve blood lipid profiles by significantly reducing triglycerides, LDL, VLDL, and total cholesterol. This product has also improved physical function in patients with heart failure, and they had the science to back it up. Life is 100% science-backed, and it is designed for heart health and active aging, which are crucial for total lifespan. So why Aminoco? Life works by triggering muscle protein synthesis, which is the body's mechanism for repairing and building muscle. When tested against any protein source, life is more than three times more effective on a gram-for-gram basis at stimulating muscle growth and repair. I know just how important it is for my quality of life and staying healthy as I age. You can check out their science by visiting aminoco.com backslash LW30. I've been on the lookout for something that could help me support healthy blood flow and help preserve heart strength and function while also helping me maintain healthy triglyceride and LDL cholesterol levels. Furthermore, something that tastes great and is easy to incorporate into my daily routine. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and well-renowned clinical researcher, Dr. Robert Wolf. If you're looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to maintaining muscle mass and cardiovascular health as you age, I recommend you give life a try. And right now, you can get 30% off 
when you visit aminoco.com backslash LW30. That's the letters L, W, and the numbers 30. Again, right now you can get 30% off LW30 when you visit aminoco.com backslash LW30. That's the letters L, W, and the numbers 30. Today, we will be talking with Miss Renee Yvonne, and we're talking about sex. So let's get started. Miss Renee, so sex therapy, sexology, that's already a loaded set of phrases and words and concepts, um, which elicit kind of different responses from different people, depending mm-hmm. on who you talk to. And most of us are familiar with the Let's Talk About Sex uh, song by salt and Pepper that came out in about, I think, 1991, and highlighted some of the aspects of safe sex, the negative aspects, the negative and positive aspects of sex, and the general censorship that sex had at that time. So that was around 30 years ago, which is kind of hard for me to believe. So share with us how you began your career as a sexologist and how you feel sexology and sex therapy in general has evolved over the last 30 years. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> I was born in '91, so yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I remember when that song came out. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I remember when the song came out, but I don't think I was supposed to be partaking of it in the manner that I was. Nor do I think I understood everything that I was hearing. So yeah, they were just terms and words, and it was a nice catchy beat. But I think That's that was beat. there. That there was, was more to it than uh <laughs> than that was that I knew what was going on. So yeah, talk to us. Let us know yeah. what 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 has happened in the last thirty years with the field of sex therapy and sexology. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with the part the other part of your question, which is how I got into this. And sure, I was in a sexless relationship for a few years with somebody that I really cared about, loved, and I just did not know what was going on. And because as women, I think we get the message that men always want sex. They're always up for it. And so when they're not, you're kind of like, what's wrong with me? So I was running around taking all these classes and trying to figure out like, how can I, you know, arouse him and seduce him? Nothing was working. And then I found out that he was actually on a medication that was causing side effects that decreased his desire to have sex. So that changed a lot of things. Um, in my mind, because I realized was well, it's not me. Um, it could have been me, but that wasn't. It mm-hmm. wasn't all me. That a lot of it was the medication. Right. But it. What happened before I found that out was I started talking to people because it was kind of embarrassing. Like it's one of those things. Right. Like what's wrong with me? And I started talking to people, and they were other women were telling me they were experiencing the same thing with their partners, and. Um, that got me to thinking, like, wow, this is something that's going on, and no one's really talking about it. Absolutely. So I went back to school. I decided I didn't want to go back to college school, but I went to um, a place called Sex Coach U and studied uh, to be a clinical sexologist. And it was it was really great to learn that. And it was interesting also to find out that sexist relationships are pretty common, unfortunately. And a sexist relationship is defined as having sex 10 or fewer times per year. And uh Okay, let's calculate that 10 or fewer times a year. So that's like less than once a month? It's less than once a month. It's like once every six weeks. 
So, um, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some people are having it less than that. I mean, you said t- between 10 and less than 10 less than to 10, 15. Yeah, 10 or fewer times. Less than yeah. 10. 10 or fewer times. Less than 10. Okay. Got it. So, uh, so yeah. So I was in that category. So, um, okay. so I went back to school. I learned a lot and decided that, you know, this would be a great like second, you know, or for me, like probably 12th career. This would be a great like, <laughs> retirement career that um, that I could work with. And I decided to work with Gen Xers and baby boomers because we got a terrible education when it came to sex. And, right. you know, like when I was in school, I, I had graduated high school when that song came out. But when we were in school, I went to Catholic school and we learned terrible things. Like everything was about keeping your legs closed and you're going to get an STD mm-hmm. and I remember them telling us that yeah. if you masturbated, you would go blind. And I had people that told me if you masturbated, you would grow hair in your hands. Like they told us. Oh my gosh. They told us some <laughs> terrible, erroneous information. So, that's scary. Yeah, that's frightening. I mean, that's absolutely scary. That's horrifying. That's horrifying. Yeah. Anything. But you, for, so for me, I wasn't Catholic, so I didn't believe any of it. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. So like, that's not true. <laughs> that is so horrifying. <laughs> but, um, but we got really bad education. And so to, so now when I'm talking to people, it's no wonder to me that we're not having great sex because we were never really talking about it. We never talked about right. pleasure. We never talked about even the mechanics of sex. A lot of the education we got, especially as girls, was don't do it. You'll get pregnant. Yep. You'll get an STD. Yep. And that was pretty much it. So I love that this generation behind us and even the generation behind them, they're they're they seem to be very open um, about sex and sexuality, and willing to talk about it, which is something that we didn't really do. And they're willing to ask questions, and you know, with the internet and all the things that are out, they just seem to be more open. That's at least that's how I feel about it. I don't know if that's, that's right, true, but right. it seems that way. That could just be because of the internet. Like we didn't really have anywhere to go. You had. Right. That's true. <laughs> you know? That is so that's so very true. And when I think about I mean, you mentioned like already some intimate topics in terms of like medication and how it affects sex drive and what that does to the other partner in terms of second guessing your level of attractiveness, whether there could potentially be someone else mm-hmm. like what's wrong with me changing things that may not even need to be changed all because of how the expected response that one feels that men in particular need to have in order for their overall response, whether that be libido, desire, pleasure, all of those things that we're going to talk about a little later on for them to be normal. Mm -hmm. And if they're not doing the thing that is stereotypically, and I'll say so because it's not necessarily indicative of, you know, every man and they're not doing the thing that, is stereotypically normal, then immediately, instead of turning it on him, we turn it on ourselves. Like, okay, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? And all those other things. And I think that's a common thing that we do as women when there's, that may not be the case. And it could be a combination of the two, but at the same time, looking into some other factors and how we question ourselves immediately. And again, going back into our own self-worth, like what am I doing? How is How am I need to change differently? All those different things when it could be something as simple as a medication that 
either can be changed or altered. And even talking about that, how was that conversation? Was there ever a conversation about, oh, now that we know that it's medication, what can we do to work on that? Um, or was it kind of like, okay, it's medication, this is how it is, and next? A little bit of both. So there was there was there was conversation. Okay. Um, there was some changing of the meds, but mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't change anything. It didn't it didn't make things better. Right. Um, and so it just kind of became that's the way it was. Um, right. Which was sad. Like and, and you know yeah. we're not together now, but that was really a difficult place to be in a in a relationship mm-hmm. where you just feel like this person just doesn't. You know, even though it's medication, it just feels like they don't want you, you know. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. And that can be yeah. painful. I can understand. And that can be very painful. So in terms of approaching that topic as well as mm-hmm. other topics, how do you talk and what is your approach to sexology in terms of redefining and reclaiming that sexual energy? That's a great question. So, I, so when I'm working with couples, um, that are dealing with that. One of the things I'll say to them is, there was well, a few things, but one, one of the first things I'll say mm-hmm. is that you need to acknowledge it's happening. Like, let's not pretend that it's not happening because sometimes they just want to go in and like, how can we just start having sex again? But I think you need to acknowledge that it's happening, why it's happening, and deal with the resentment of it because there there usually is some resentment. Like somebody feels some kind of way about the fact that they're not being touched, held, kissed, whatever. And so acknowledging that, but then kind of just like, okay, I'm I'm upset. I'm mad that we're not doing this. And then letting that person just kind of process that. um, And then the other partner just hearing it and then figuring out what you can do, because it could be that the medication can change, or it could be that they're stressed and they need, you know, they need to just relax. It could be that they're going through, menopause maybe there's an illness you know there could be something physically going on that they don't know about and so figuring that out is is a big part of it um the communication piece though can be really challenging because you don't want to hurt the person's feelings like i think that's why we don't talk about it as much and so one of the things we have to do is um that i like to do with couples is to talk about is to do a fear desire love uh, exercise with them. And so mm-hmm. in that exercise, it's very simple, but it's hard <laughs> to do. Let's do, Let's do it now. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. So what happens <laughs> is you sit with your partner, you take some time a night when you don't have anything, you know, there's no distractions. You sit down with your partner and you okay. tell them one thing that you fear in the relationship. And it could be, I fear that if we don't have sex, you're going to lose, I'm going to lose you. I fear that if we don't have sex. Okay. You're going to cheat on me. You're going to divorce me. Okay. The other part. So it has to be a fear that's about the relationship, not a fear of yeah, a no, no. or something <laughs> like that. It has to be. It, okay. I just want to make sure I know the parameters. I'm trying to make sure I have all the things. It has to be a fear. Now, does it have to be about sex or it just, be about, just the about the relationship? It can be about the relationship. Um, okay. If you want, it can definitely be about sex, but it, it's mostly about the relationship okay. in general. In general. And this is another, again, background, like context question. Is this happening in your office or is this happening virtually? Are they doing this in front of you? Are they doing this at home by themselves? When and what is the context and what is the 
background shaping up like what is this looking this is like a great this mind? is great because you know what? i've always just sent them home with it <laughs> but glad you've asked that question i'm like okay. you know what i should probably be there and listen to this because I can get to be an arbitrator right <laughs> hard is the next part of it which is once you say the fear okay. the other person says thank you they just acknowledge that it's been said there's no discussion about it that's it oh that's it yes just thank you just thank you period mm-hmm so they say something of their fear, whatever that could be, whether it's unfounded or founded. I mean, either way, it's their reality. It's their fear that they're expressing. One partner says that. And the other partner, once that fear is expressed, That's it. says thank you. It's very hard to do. Okay. And then, All right. and then the opposite I think that's where I think the challenges might be coming in. Uh-huh. Because I can people see immediately how that be want challenging. to start talking about it. And when I did it, it was like yeah. that. I was yeah. like, this is not supposed to go like this. Like, just like just say right. thank you um so yeah so that's what happens so they do it they say thank you i mean you say thank you they do it you say thank you okay and then that's you don't discuss it so we mm-hmm. both do fear first i say my fear my partner says thank you he says his fear mm-hmm. i say thank that's you round, one is, round one is over so this should be yeah, like it's not, it doesn't take long to do that's what i say it's, it's very simple if you're doing it right. If you're doing it right. When you go to it's five hours. <laughs> right. right. I was like, woo. Okay. All right. So round, round two, two is desire. desire? No? And so desire, desire okay. tell, you tell, tell your partner more. something that you would like to have in a relationship. So, and it could be anything. So um, you might say, you know, I desire that we have more oral, oral sex. I desire that we have, um, okay. we try BDSM. I desire to um, okay. Explain that BDSM. I'm yeah. aware of the term. Yeah, Some of sure. our listeners may So it stands may not for be. bondage, domination, out, submission, and masochism. And so, or sadomasochism. Gotcha. Um, could be the S part too. So it could be anything from um, light spanking to flogging to being restrained to. Um, Straight 50, Straight 50 Shades, shades of, gray, of Gray, Blindfolds, yeah. It could be Got all it. of that. And so okay. some people, okay. so you may say that. Like, you may, you may not want to go all Straight 50 Shades of Gray, but you may say, you know, some light spanking would be nice. You know, I'd like a little flogging sometimes, something. And so you say that. Your partner okay. says thank you. They say theirs. You say thank you. So, Round two yeah. is over. Okay. All right. So this is very minimalistic in nature. Okay. All right. And round three is. So you end out saying something that you love about your partner. I love when you kiss me. I love that you, and that really can't be some, anything in a relationship. Like I love that you wash the dishes before, um, you know, we go to bed. So I don't have to worry about that. And I can relax and just be with you. I love that we, you know, do do things together uh, we have date night every Thursday. They say thank you. They right. mention what they love about you. You say thank you, and it's done. So that's round three. Okay. So round three. So this should be it like should over be like two rather minutes. Quickly. Like this I mean, whole exercise yeah. should be over <laughs> in like two minutes. I mean, given some longer pauses before you mention your fear mm-hmm. or before you mention your desire or... I mean, shouldn't maybe not take so long to think about or narrow down the thing that you want to mention that you It love, shouldn't take long at this all. This should not take long. Okay. Now, 
mm-hmm. in a perfect world, this shouldn't take long. Mm-hmm. I can imagine without yeah. having an arbitrator at home Absolutely. doing this exercise by oneself, Probably it not. does not go as smooth. <laughs> I'm going I'm to start being an arbitrator so, because I had not thought about doing it. Because I, I, know I, I can I can only imagine this and this is only on my end, either wanting to not necessarily fix a response, but especially mm-hmm. if it's a fear that's unfounded, like, oh, my goodness, that's not true. And I would never do that. And going into a whole thing yes. way beyond. Thank you. Um, so let's say couple A does everything you say. They do it correctly. Their exercise mm-hmm. is done in two minutes. When and is there a time to address yes. what was said? So I I like for couples to give it some time to marinate. Um, a couple of hours okay. to the next day is is optimal because oftentimes, like you said, what you're doing is you're trying to formulate a response when they're talking. Oftentimes, and so I want people to sit right. on it because they may they may sit on it and say, "Wow, I had no idea that he thought." that I was going to leave him if we didn't have sex. Like, I can't believe they thought right. that. And so you, you know, you're trying to find solutions. You want to, you want to talk about that. But I think if you sit on it for a while, you could come up with something that's not as rash. You won't, you won't be arguing about it. Um, the desires right. may come up. He, the, you know, right, right. your partner may say something. And you're like, Oh, I didn't know they wanted to do that. I want to do that too. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, you too? And so there's a chance for, for that to happen. And then when they, and then the love part to hear, especially if they say something that you didn't realize they loved about you, because sometimes I think we know, we think we know the right. things our partner loves, but when they mention something that you didn't realize they really noticed, that's like magical in some way. Like, wow, I had no idea that he loved that about me and or she loved that about me. Um, right. And so, that's powerful. And that in of itself can be a relationship builder to know something that either that wasn't previously communicated or some small thing that you never Mm -hmm. even considered or thought about could be a relationship builder just in that commentary. So I think that's a a nice way to end. Um, But very intimate things in general, no matter where you look at it, very intimate, but Mm -hmm. ways to build that relationship. So you've touched on something earlier on, and I want to kind of revisit it in more detail. Why do you believe that it's so hard for people to have these honest conversations, these candid conversations about sex, especially in couples, even amongst friends? Because I think even when we're talking amongst our friends, there's a lot of um, omissions or things that are being blown up but maybe aren't necessarily happening because I definitely know there's more patients I know who are not enjoying their sex life than patients that I have that are like yeah my libido's great I'm doing it as much as I want and I'm enjoying the all the entire experience that is not what I experience on a day-to-day when I have conversations in the in the appointment space and the treatment space so talk to me why do you feel that the we just can't have these conversations in a, in a safe way, in a candid way. I think there's a lot way. of shame around sex and sexuality. And we've, it's, it's so weird. It's one of the reasons I also wanted to go into this is that um, in Catholic school, I remember because they, because it was so like, don't touch it, don't do it. I thought this must be awesome because nobody else is doing it. Like, that was literally my thought. Like, this must be the best thing ever. And so, let's do this. Um, and, and it turns out that it, it is, it's great, but like, but, but no one, 
Um, no one's talking about it and we don't really learn anything about it. And so people are figuring it out on their own. Right. Like as a, as a teenager or a young adult, there's, it's not like, you know, in some cultures, they will take the young person and they will put them with an older person and they will learn the mechanics of making love and how to please their partner. We don't do that in America. And so we're just out here flailing around, watching porn, talking to our ignorant friends who know nothing. You know, we're just, you know not ignorant in a bad way, but Less they just don't do. know anything either. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're that's what we're doing. But there's so much yeah. shame around it from you know, from school, from religion. So we don't talk about it and we don't learn because we're afraid that if we tell that person, right. if we talk to the kids about sex, then they'll want to go do it. If we mention something about it, then, yeah. you know, what does that mean to my partner? And I think that, I think that happens more. I don't know this for a fact, but I have friends that are um, in the LGBT community and they are also mm-hmm. in the poly community. They communicate mm-hmm. a lot more than cisgender heterosexual people do. And I find that fascinating right. because they really do talk about all of this all of this stuff. We're just kind of like assuming people know what to do. And right. then we get to a certain age and we don't want to teach anything either. Like right. I, I'm always hearing guys like, yeah, women don't want to teach yeah. anything. And I was like, well, I don't know exactly what they're, I don't know. I said, let me tell you what I mean by this. Like I don't want to teach you the basics. Like you should know what right. the this is. <laughs> but. <laughs> Wait a minute, let's pause. Some women don't even know what their own clitoris is. That's true. And I mean, and I'm not saying this to be funny, but I have models in each of our our rooms and there's so many women. I'm not talking just like the 15 and 16 year olds. I'm talking about the 45 and 55 year olds that don't know the difference between the vagina, the difference between the urethra, the difference between the anus, the difference between you know, vulva, the difference between where is the clitoris? There are women who don't know these things and they speak about them. But the more we speak about them, the more I'm realizing, I don't think you have a grasp of these things. So then when I get the model out and I'm like, okay, let's look at these things and their eyes get really big and they're like, you want me to like touch it? I'm like, it's a model, it's plastic. So first of all, it's not real. Um, (laughs) Nothing's going to reach out and grab you. But it's important. I have one that's like kind of just static and one that actually is movable so they can feel the texture. They can see where things are in terms of proportions. And like you need to be able to look at these things and identify these things on yourself before you can even expect that someone else is going to know how to utilize your body parts to for for pleasure, theirs and yours. Um, and I think a lot of times that's like the anatomy physiology lesson is a good place to start because a lot of women just don't know pre- precisely because like you described, mm-hmm. there's a lot of conversation about what not to do, but not what to do. And that's from hygiene all the way up to sexual interaction. So, and you touched on something else early, like when you compare and contrast, you mentioned more conversation. What other differences do you find that exist between men and women around these conversations, including cisgender and heterosexual men and women and transgender distinctions? Um, besides the conversation? Part, besides the conversations piece, yeah. I don't work with a, with a lot of, I don't, I don't actually don't have any clients that, are, that I know of that are in the LGBT community. I just happen to okay. have friends that are, 
anecdotally. Yes, I just noticed that they just talk a lot more. Like they, right, you know, right. They're they're very open and they're very they're very much discussing like what is the relationship like and is are we in a relationship? Like there's that part wow. because oftentimes you know you we as cisgender I think we'll go out with somebody two or three times and we're like, we go together, you know, they don't mm-hmm. necessarily do that. Or on the other side of the equation, it's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> yes. We have children together and bought a house, but we're not together. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. And so I just feel like they have, they discuss things and because that's what right. I'm seeing from the friends I have. Like, I, I of course can't blanket that across the board, but from the friends right. I, have, I noticed that and I'm like, wow, it's really great that they're open and they're discussing and it's not, their assumptions aren't being made about where this is going and what we're doing. Um, So I, I, I think, I think cisgender heterosexual people need more conversations like that and to feel, not feel embarrassed about it and not feel like I, you know, I already know what I'm doing. I don't need to talk about this. No, you need to talk about it because every person you're with is different and yeah. everybody's body is different and what works on this person might not work on the next person. Like one person might right. really like something you did, but the next girl is like, Oh, please don't touch my That ain't work. That just, right. And I think that's a good part. I mean, without conversation, you may never get to that point right. in terms of not just exploration, but also like, that's not working for me, mm-hmm. but here's what is. Right. And continuing to do something that's not working can also be a turnoff because there is no intimacy. There is no touching base in terms of what is actually working and u- utilizing energy that could be used in more beneficial ways. Oh, absolutely. So I think that's very important in terms of, I think that fear, desire, love com- uh, exercise would come in very handy. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that yeah. already. Yeah. So in in the clinical space, mm-hmm. we talk about hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Mm-hmm. And pretty much that's just the medicalized term most commonly known as low libido. And it affects about one in 10 women. And as gynecologists, there are usually three common responses when a woman says that her libido is not where it should be or where she'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. There's either nothing wrong with you hormonally. There's nothing that conventional medicine in the community can do for you at this point, mm-hmm. or you should see a sex therapist. So how do you begin that conversation when low libido is the condition of concern? And when I talk to patients, I usually try to break things down so that they're on like the third grade level so we can all understand. Mm-hmm. And I usually define libido in terms of interest in sex or the sexual appetite. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about how you begin that conversation when a woman or one of your clients have low libido. Yeah. So sometimes what what happens when they, you know, when I'm talking to them, I want to find out what's going on, like what's what's happening. Because sometimes like they'll come in, a couple will come in and they're just like, she doesn't want to have sex. And she's saying, you know, yeah, my libido is kind of low. And I asked them, like, so is your, so for, in sexology, one of the things we talk about with libido is desire, and that's your, um, your sexual satisfaction. Like, are you enjoying it? Okay. <clears throat> so, right. as you're ta- as I'm talking to women, I'm asking that question to find out, like, are you even enjoying sex at all? And, and that tells me a lot, because sometimes the desire or the low libido is because the sex just isn't satisfying. And so, mm. you know, when I, when I've talked to, um, the, you know, if I talk to their partner and they tell me, you know, if we, if we talk together and you talk to the, the woman by herself and she's like, 
there's not enough foreplay or mm. um he he seems to ejaculate really fast and so okay. I, i'm just not like i don't want to get excited for that like i'm i'm you know i want to be with him but by the time he you know we're in bed and he gets his pants off he's already coming like that's not fun right. for me so i'm not excited. revving up while one is already literally coming yeah, down one's done. i'm like okay i just got my bra off which you know he's done um <laughs> And so that's not, you know, so you're not, you don't get excited for that. It could be right. stress related. Um, things are going okay. on at work We're you know, we're in coronavirus. There's kids in the house. There's grandkids in the house. There's, you know, there's mm-hmm. all this stuff. Grandparents in the house. There's all these people around. It could be just stuff. Like I had a couple that told right. me, um, <clears throat> we were, we were virtual. And I remember her saying to me, she said, I know you can't see it right now. She said, but there are, there's laundry all over this room. There is nothing sexy about that. Sexy <laughs> no. about that. No. And so it's no. those little things, especially for women, that maybe men are like, I could do it in a pile of mess. <laughs> right. Right. But, but no. the woman is like, yes. oh, I can't uh-uh. do this. This is, I, you know, they just can't no. seem to focus. And so some of it just right. comes from life. It's just, there's a lot happening and, you know. Yeah environment literally what's going on in the environment that you're choosing to have sex in so some of it is just that some of it could be um it could be it could be hormonal like i know you mentioned that i mean it could be hormonal she's going through menopause she's on a period um she there may be illness like there may be just a physical illness that's going on there may be um uh, vaginal dryness it could be vaginal Mm -hmm. pain and so i so absent of all that like once you've gotten physically checked out um, and I'll, and I'll mm-hmm. tell a woman that like you, like if it's none of these other things, you should definitely go to the doctor yeah. and get checked out because it could be something physical. Once we know that that's not right. the issue, then we could deal with it. And sometimes like people will leave things out. It's so funny. Like people will pay for, for coaching and counseling and therapy and they'll come home and tell and you lie. everything and they lie. I'm like, why are you lying to Lies. Me? <laughs> and so, and Lies. I'm, and you can see it. Like, I'm like, you're not telling for me real. Like, mm-hmm. And so... Tell me, tell me what's really, I can't help you if you come in and you leave things out. Like they don't, I don't think they lie to me. Right. I think they leave things out. Now, that's lying. Because it's not omission. helping you yeah. do your job. It's either lie by omission that's or true. lie by yeah, commission. And it's omission. still the same thing. It's like, yeah, it's lying. You. If yeah. you don't tell me that he had an affair or she had an affair and that's the problem. Like right. this is what's really the root of the issue. She didn't trust you. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. There's trust, trust issues, issues right. And I think that's, I mean, you bring up a good point and it does happen a lot, a lot, um, even when it's not sex is not the topic where, you know, you're thinking that something's wrong. You're trying to get to the bottom of something and you've asked all the questions, either questions have been partially answered or not answered truthfully. And so you're like, okay, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. And three or four appointments later, you're finding out, oh yeah, by the way, I did tell you that that wasn't happening, but yeah, that's been going on for the last 10 years. And that can be so irritating because you're like, you spent a lot of extra time leading me down a lane that we could have addressed this like a couple sessions ago. And, but here we are now. And I think that again, still comes down to not having, even with a sexologist or a sex therapist, having an honest conversation about sex. And for whatever reason, not being open and fluid. And I think trust may be a, a bigger picture in that. And just even having that trust with your therapist um, or your sexologist could, again, c- uh, 
contribute to not getting the result that one desires because it is hard that, to talk there's about. There's so much shame Very around it. Like there's, and I think that's what it's saying. Yes, it keeps creeping shame. back in. Like if you, if you, yeah. if you're in a, if you're in a relationship and your partner cheated on you and you stayed, there's a lot of shame right. that goes around there. Like I should have left. I don't know why I'm here. Yeah. I'm still doing, you know, or, mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, maybe not. Or is she, he or she going to do it again? Or am I stupid? Or am I silly? Or why am yeah. I still here when that, you know, that part was, and that whole questioning and not ne- necessarily trusting yourself mm-hmm. in the relationship, even if it mm-hmm. doesn't ever happen yeah. again. So they start picking at little yeah. things that don't matter. Like they just start picking little incidences out. Right. And I'm like, okay, I hear you, but that's a symptom. Like what's the root that's going on here? Cause you're just telling right. me like little things. And I know this isn't what's, you know, what's, you know, you, what's really you, going on you right, right. You find right. Out, you're like, oh, okay <laughs> yeah and this, that and sometimes and I guess when in terms of establishing a relationship and rapport with your provider your practitioner your therapist your sexologist it does take time to open that yeah. gate of trust and especially if so many walls have been built up inside the relationship even talking yeah. about that can be challenging so I can I can definitely understand that um, as we talk, we mentioned, you mentioned some other terms, one we're going to get to a little bit later on, but there are other terms that we often conflate um, or confuse mm-hmm. with libido. How do conditions where arousal is the predominant concern factor into your conversations? And again, when we're talking clinically about arousal, we're talking about the physical response to the sexual stimuli. So how yeah, so that's a, yes, and that's exactly what arousal is. So you can have you can be aroused and not uh, you can be aroused and not have the libido and vice versa. And so um, and we right. I you often hear this when we talk about um, victims of sexual assault that maybe they like they feel they they really feel bad because maybe they got wet. And they felt aroused by it, mm-hmm. but this still, this wasn't a desire to be raped. So, um, right. so for some clients, like just understanding, like, yeah, you can be aroused. And for some couples, they need, um, what they call, uh, spontaneous, spontaneous and responsive desire. So sometimes people just, they're just like, mm-hmm. I'm horny. I want to do it. Right. <laughs> and, and I want to take care of that. Need. Okay. okay. For some people, they have to have some type of foreplay or something. They're not really aroused yet. But if they're, you know, if you can get them okay. in the mood and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm in the mood now. Like I need, I need something to feel that. Say those terms again. It's responsive desire again. is like that. Responsive desire is when something happens and then you're in the mood as opposed to um, okay. spontaneous desire where you're just like, I'm always in the mood. <laughs> I'm, I'm always, got it. Okay. Like that doesn't yeah, necessarily have, yeah, have to be a stimulus, so to speak. And for some right. people, there's, gotcha. um, there's a book. And I'll send you the link. It's um by Emily Nagasi. It's called Nagoski. It's called Come As okay. You Are, and she talks about the she she equates it to uh, your brakes and your gas pedal in your car. And so there's some things in your life, okay. for, and it's different for everybody that are like the brakes, and it could be anything from there's laundry on the floor. You cheated on me last month. Um, you know, I, I just I'm tired. Whatever, and those things are your brakes. And then there's right. other things that get you excited and get you going. And so that could be the kissing, the holding, the, it could be oral sex, it could be whatever. And what you really want, if you want to have this, this sex life is you got to make sure that there's more stuff on the gas side going and, you know, lowering the mm-hmm. inhibitions and the things that the breaks. And so, you know, right. um, making sure that they teeter, 
this way, this is where you want to go. But if it's more of this, right. more break stuff, then that's that's what happens. Uh-huh. You kind of sometimes slowly, maybe quickly fall into this sexless relationship because there's all these things that are inhibiting you from just going forward. Inhibiting factors. Gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, those all make sense. And again, mm-hmm. you mentioned pleasure, which literally is the measure of one's sexual well-being reflected in orgasm. So how do you approach orgasm or lack thereof? Because you can have libido, but not have orgasm and on both sides yeah, of the equation. So that, um, yeah, when you, when you were mentioning that there's women that don't really understand their body and where the clitoris is and I have definitely met women who have never had an orgasm. I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, or don't know, or don't know. They're yeah. like, I'm not sure if I then have. have not. And I'm like, then yeah. you have not. You have not. Then you have um, not. You would know. <laughs> and so, you know. You would, you would know. So for, for women especially, um, when it comes to, to pleasure, I do encourage them to, Get a hand mirror and a good light and look at yourself. Mm-hmm. Spread the love and yeah. look at yourself. Same thing. And, I do the same you know, thing. women are like, yeah. what? I mean, I, you know, they're like, are you serious? Yes. You need to know because yeah. our parts aren't outside of us like men's are. You know, men can look at it all day. They, right. they probably do. I don't know. <laughs> it, seems, it seems like they do. they're taking pictures right. of it and sending it to random people. <laughs> so. Right. I still don't even understand like to this day. And I, again, even in the, like, I understand things, different things turn on different people. I still don't understand how, and my friends tell me like, Oh no, he sent me a dick pic. And I was like, wait, that like someone that you were met online, like you've never met them in person before. And like, I don't understand like how that is, how, how one expects that to be the, the thing. Like we haven't even met in real life and you, like you think that was the move and apparently that's very common. a common thing that people do to I guess inspire arousal or desire and I have not quite maybe in my older brain wrapped my mind around how that is the thing that is so common that it I can't, I can't quite understand it. And, I and again, I, I can't quite figure out how one would want to start a relationship. You haven't even met this person and you want to send them a dick pic to like, and I'm like, I'm trying to figure out, okay, where do you think the relationship is going after that? Because one of two I things can happen. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't understand. I have a picture of my Volvo. Like, I don't know. Right. I yeah. I was like, how do you respond to that? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Like, I, I, I can't, I can't quite understand it, but it's apparently a thing, but yeah. I have yet to meet a woman was a woman, whether in relationship or out or getting to know someone who was like, that's the thing I was waiting for. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> that's what I was waiting for. And I'm like, does that work on anybody? Cause I'm really trying to figure out like, is it me? Like, or I think that, am I off? But I'm not one of my friends, not one of any, you know, anybody that I know. It's like, that's what I was waiting for. Like, it took him three days or it took him however long. Right. That's, I was waiting for that. No, like, who do, who does that? And I'm like, do guys really think that's the thing? Like, and apparently they do because too many of them do it. But yeah, and it's and it's and it happens. So in there was when we talked about um, 
we were talking about orgasm. Mm. A lot of women don't even, and men, and I guess this is, goes to my previous, uh, another previous question. Do you see your clients as couples or do you see them as individuals? Both. In terms of like, in terms of appointments. Okay. Got it. I see them as both. So sometimes okay. I see, um, I see them together because okay. they want to come together. Okay. What I'm starting to do now, and I, I think I'm going to continue this, is to see them together and then separately because okay. I hear very different stories. I'm sure. <laughs> I am so sure. Together. Especially the reason, the rationale, and all the things in between. I'm sure yeah. they're very different perspectives yeah. and reasons why they believe as a couple they are where they are mm-hmm. and why. So, yeah, it was. it's, it's interesting yeah. to see if that was like part of the overall the overall conversation if the things change when they're talking together with you yeah. or if they're talking to you um not um not with their partner but with someone else, by you with you by themselves yeah. that's very interesting yeah. so i don't think we've talked about erotic script and my patients immediately jump to thoughts of porn and trashy novels mm-hmm. and hustler and playboy magazines mm-hmm. And a lot of times I believe this does play a large role in both the male and female um, concept of sexual dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And when I think of erotic script outside of those, that immediate thought, I think about the combination of thoughts and beliefs and past experiences Mm -hmm. and feelings about sex and sexuality and turn ons that comprise that internal messaging that continuously plays in one's own mind and in their body as well. Do you explore those messages about sex that your clients receive as children from their family, from their friends, from their faith community? Um, and of course the internet, I know we talked about that um, earlier on, but explore that a little bit more. Yeah, I do. So, so one of the things that, that I do as a sex coach and counselor is as a coach, you tend to deal with where they are right now and then where they want to be in therapy. They tend to deal with where they, what their past and then up to where they are now. So okay, gotcha. there's not one that's better than the other. It's just depending on, you know, what you want. Um, right, right. So when I'm working with people, I do go a little bit in the past. I do want to find out, like, how did they get to where they are? What are their beliefs? And so they, I have my clients fill out an intake form. And I do ask them things like, when was the first time you had sex? When was the first time you masturbated? When was the last time you um, masturbated? When was the last time you had an orgasm? Um, okay. I do want to know, like, what was their their sexual history and um like who have they been with and not not like I don't want to list but I mean like (laughs) right yeah but whether they I mean whether they've been with men and women or you know those different things because those can affect again what their overall sexual history and story is and how it manifests in their current situation so I think those distinctions are important how they even feel about their masculinity or femininity means I'll ask those questions Mm -hmm. so I do touch on that a little bit because I like to see what I'm working with and what kind of belief system is going on there because uh because right. you, you just need to know like what do I what am I what do I need to break through here um right. because sometimes mm-hmm. people just come and they're like I just want to learn some new tips and then you down with right. them and you're like you know we got <laughs> we got a lot of things to get through we get the tip. slow down uh, slim slow down slim <laughs> And so that's, that's, you know, so I do like to find that out and, and learn a little bit about what their history is, but I don't go way back. Like I'm not, I'm not, right. not back into like, so when was the first time that kind of thing? Okay. Got it. 
and you and that was a good distinction to make between sex therapy and sexology because I feel like there is a desire that couples may want and may need. And I feel sometimes women like to have that conversation more so than men mm -hmm. do in terms of let's get to the root of this. Like, why is this happening? Why am I responding this way? Men are more in my experience. They want to know like, well, how can I get this changed now? Yeah. Like, why is this not working now? It doesn't really for them and not necessarily super important how I got here, but how can we fix yeah. it? Versus when we're like, well, why am I feeling this way? How do I undo this? And what when did this all begin? And they're more willing to talk one-on-one -on -one than men are, in my experience. But yeah, that's important. So I think we did briefly touch on intimacy. And intimacy is that very intimate part of the relationship itself, that relationship component. And not just intimacy with the partner, but also intimacy with self. So talk to us about how intimacy talk plays into the sex conversation. Yeah, I get this. I do get this, um, especially from couples uh, quite a bit, where they're trying to figure out, like, what can I do to be closer to my partner? Because that's what they're really mm -hmm. looking for. And it, it may be sexual, but most often it's not. They're trying to figure out, like, how do I get that that closeness with my partner that I don't have with anybody else? And so right. um, one of the things, and I'm, I'm putting a class together for this, but one of the things that I, I like to talk with couples about is um, taking, one, is expanding their definition of sex and making it more about pleasure. Okay and making it less about okay. penis and vagina sex, especially if that person mm. is having difficulty with erections or early ejaculation or pain in the vulva. I want to take that out because, because it takes the pressure off of everybody. Like I'm not asking you to have sex. Okay. I'm not asking you to come. I'm not asking you to get an erection. I'm asking you to relax and experience pleasure. And so for okay. the woman I'm, I'm working on, and this is, uh, this is a thing that, um, you can do it's called um we actually call it pussy massage but you could call it it's vulva massage yoni massage it has all kinds of names but which, which okay and is this for her to do for herself or with she the can partner? do it for herself but for in, for intimacy okay. for the couple i like for the guy or the her partner to do it to her okay to and her. so what you do is you take um there's about 15, 20 different massages that you do. But what you want to do is take some okay. olive, some uh, not olive oil, coconut oil, sorry, coconut oil. Okay. Um, you can use olive oil you can use as olive well. Oil. Some women are allergic to coconut oil, so olive oil, just basic, basic, basic olive, oil. olive oil that you use to cook with safe is, is safe too. But I know some women are allergic okay. to coconut oil, so we yeah. switch that up to olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> I've also heard jojoba oil is good. That's the other one I've heard is good. Yes. Um, as well so you yep. want to take a nice oil you want to warm it up and then you just like in the beginning just kind of cup your hand over her vulva and just kind of just feel that the warmth that's there you just kind of lay it lay it there and then lay it on her heart or right you know, like right here in the middle okay and that builds some intimacy because okay. you're going to be kind of looking in your partners uh you know one you're doing something that normally doesn't happen that's probably has not <laughs> nobody been does before. that um no one has probably ever yeah. done that before. So yeah, that's yes. already intimate. And so yeah. you, you do that. You can give massage, erotic massage or tantric massage. Any of that is really good to build intimacy because again, it's things that no one usually does for you. 
Um, right. The eye gazing is is a part of Tantra. I don't know a ton about Tantra. I'm learning about it. That's one of the things I'm, I'm still learning. So I don't want to okay. be a Tantra. I, don't, I can't say I'm a Tantra expert right now. But one of the things I've learned okay. about is, okay. is the eye gazing part and just kind of looking in your partner's eyes and, and matching your breath to theirs. Again, it's stuff that you don't do normally with other people. And so, um, right. so those are some of the things I talk with partners about as far as building intimacy as well as communication. So um, sometimes, so Mm -hmm. the other thing I do in communication is um, I have different worksheets sometimes that I'll give them, but sometimes it's just a, uh, I have a yes, no, maybe fantasy list. And what happens is each couple takes one of those sheets. It lists, you know, 30, 40 different things that you can do. So it'd be, you know, it might be oral sex, nipple play, um, you know, penis and vagina sex, anal sex. They'll have like a whole list of stuff on there. And so each partner will check right. whether, yes, they like to do that and whether they want to be the giver or the receiver. And then any okay. comments they have about it. And then uh, it may be, okay. they could check maybe in a fantasy might be, you know, you know, I've always wanted a threesome, but maybe that stays in the fantasy realm. You know, maybe I've thought about anal okay. sex, but it's in the fantasy realm. I don't really want to explore it just yet. And then you come back together and you share okay. it and you'll find out like, oh, okay. They're totally opposed to this. But you you like this too. too. Okay. <laughs> and because we just don't talk because you, you don't, you know, you don't, you normally don't get up at breakfast over bacon and eggs and go, you know what? I really like you put a ball gag in my mouth tonight. And like, you just don't have those kind of conversations. And so when do you bring it up? <laughs> When is the yeah. time to bring that up over breakfast right. or over dinner? That is that. Like, what, when is the time to bring that up? What meal is appropriate to bring yeah. up ball gag? That that is a great question, and I think you. Yeah. When do we bring that up? That is then, and I think when you said that there's already these pre, I guess filled forms. Sometimes that takes mm-hmm. the pressure off of initiating the question, versus okay, this is something I'm interested in but I don't want you to think that I'm weird or a freak or wild or yeah. anything else or yeah. scary. And now <laughs> yeah. it's like, whoa, now right. we're retreating versus like, I'm just filling out a questionnaire. Right. I mean, these are one of the questions. So I'm just going to answer honestly, right. whatever happens happens. So that's also, I mean, again, thinking about it that way, a good way to open up the conversation without having yeah. to initiate it. We're just yeah. filling out a questionnaire this and this question. is what's on the questions and I'm just answering them. I mean, I didn't come up with this. It just happened to be. Here. <laughs> just so happened I think that's again a good way to initiate. It just happened to be on this form, and I—I I mean, we got to answer it, right? I mean, we've got to do the assignment. So I think that's a good way to bring some things up that aren't readily able to be initiated. And I think again, these are the ways to get the conversation started creatively, without necessarily having to the onus of I have to initiate this. I have to ask this uncomfortable question, because it does kind of put potentially the other partner on the defensive how do I answer this question if I answered in the affirmative is this a trick like if I answer yes I'm interested does that mean we're going to do it tomorrow if I answer no does that mean make me a prude if I you know how do we navigate this so I think this is good and it's good to have and like an arbiter in there to try to help navigate this because even if you get these answers to that quiz now what do we do yeah how do we move and I, I do, And you know, that <laughs> I am there for, which is funny that I'm not right. there for the other one, which is, I, so I'm going to start being there for the other one. Because I yeah. actually do this one in a workshop that I call okay. Pleasure Mapping, where I work pleasure, with- Pleasure Mapping? It's called Pleasure Mapping Workshop. Okay, got it. 
And uh-huh. so I actually do that exercise in there. And there's another part in there that also, I think it, I think it builds intimacy. I, I should, I need to talk with the couples to see, but what in that, in that, um, in that exercise, I use a product It's called the graphic sex project It's by a woman, woman named Jennifer Beeman. Okay. And she uses, it's really, it's really cool. She uses, um, different color blocks to indicate it can indicate whatever you want and the person will kind of build out an art installation if they will to kind of describe their sex life so it's it's um it's hard to yeah yeah i was like explain explain it so what happens when i work with them is they have they have a whiteboard um when we're in person they have a whiteboard i have one online too but they have it in person and they get all these different color blocks. And so what I often do is ask them to describe, like map, draw, show me a sexual experience that you did not enjoy. And so okay. they'll put down like whatever that, so they may say, okay, green is oral sex and red was intercourse. Um, mm-hmm. Pink was kissing, you know, black was, you know, anal sex or whatever. Right. Okay. And so they'll, they'll kind of, what they'll do is they'll put those blocks in there a certain way to show mm-hmm. like there was a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of oral sex that I didn't really want to do. Really? Or there was a whole lot of like nipple tugging and I hated that. Mm-hmm. And so they'll kind of, they'll kind of graph that out and okay. they'll ask them to show me an ideal experience. And then they'll, oh. they'll do that one as well. And so sometimes like what I'll find, especially with, uh, with women is that they'll do the one they don't like rarely has orgasm in it. Wow. They will usually do one and there's a, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of oral sex on the guy. There's very little foreplay, very little kissing. Um, depending on if the guy yeah. is, a, is a breast guy or not, there's like a whole lot of that and they don't like it. There's yeah. no orgasm. And then when they show me one that they, that their ideal experience is completely different. It's like music and candles and, you know, it's like all this yeah. foreplay. It's like three, four orgasms in there. There's all sex yeah. on them. Like it's, it's just a totally right. different experience. And so yeah, that when they have that and they share it with their partner, they can say like, this is what I really like. And it's wow. a way to graph it out. So you're not even saying like, you know, the last time we had sex, you did this, 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 and this wrong. It's like, this is what I really want. I really want right. this experience. And I think a part of that, just like you mentioned, one is being graphed out, n- not with words, mm-hmm. but almost in a pictograph a sort pictograph. of way. Yeah. In a, right. And so it's not offensive. Like, okay, this is representative of such. There's not really a lot of words, so but you can see a visual mm-hmm. picture. And focusing on what I do like or what the woman does like or what the partner likes Mm -hmm. versus what you want to give and how you want to receive. And I think that kind of goes back into the bigger picture of love languages and that a lot of times people give what they want, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily give what their partner wants and how Mm -hmm. and when. And that's a part of intimacy. And a lot of times I tell my patients, when you think of the word intimacy, break it up into in, to, me, see. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to see what's inside the person, not just, and allowing that person to see what's inside of you in terms of your wants, your needs and desires. And sometimes that can be scary. Mm-hmm. 
and letting that overall pictograph come to life. Sometimes women do that. We do that in our heads and it's already there. We can see it. We've dreamt about it. We've thought about Mm -hmm. it. And that's what we're, you know, the, the goal is Mm -hmm. men are visual sometimes more often than women and they see, you know, a naked body or just, you know, a silhouette and that can be, that can get them to where they want to be. So I think sometimes that's very important in terms of kind of making sure where both partners are and then knowing what that other partner wants, needs and desires from that sexual experience. Mm -hmm. So we talked about, now we've talked about intimacy. We've talked about pleasure. We've talked about erotic script. We've talked about libido so we talk, mentioned desire early mm-hmm. on and that combination of how libido and erotic script and intimacy all tie together. And oftentimes we think of desire as a basic emotion when it's actually like that combination of motivation and interest. So how does desire overall fit into this sex equation? It can be interesting because, again, you know, like the person might have desire but just not be aroused and so um it's nice if they both work together like that's the that's the ultimate is that you're like oh i i want this person and i'm I'm aroused enough to also be with them but that doesn't always work that way um and so in those cases we have sometimes you gotta you gotta get there and so sometimes it's like i don't really not really desiring this person, but maybe once they start kissing you or they're playful, they're flirty, especially if you do it throughout the day. Like sometimes I think like when I said, you know, I want to expand that definition of sex beyond, you know, what you're doing in the bedroom, penis and vagina sex. And and to think about foreplay is a part of that. It's not like a separate entity. And I think that's what happens, but it's the stuff that you're doing all day. Like, are you sexting your, your mate? Do you send them something nice? Are you, um, you know, whatever, like you said, the love language, like whatever their love language is, if they happen to be somebody and their love language is, um, is gifts, then, you know, are you, you know, maybe they like flowers during the day. Maybe they would love for you to, um, you know, to send them something, you know, a candy bar. Like it doesn't even have to be big. Like, you know, you just know that they like that and you send it to them. That can right. get things going to the place where they're like, okay, yeah, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm excited by this. And by the time you get home, they are aroused or wherever you get to, they're aroused. But yeah. if you just kind of walk in the door and nothing's been going on all day, and then you're just like, hey, I'm here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Saddle up, yeah, Roy. I'm not in the mood. It's laundry all over the floor. So, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's dishes in the sink, and the kids have to be put to bed, and it's everything else. And that's a prime, yeah, all of those things. This is a prime time to say, okay, you know, there are dishes in the sink. Let me do the dishes while you're putting the baby down. So that's like, you know, that's eliminating a chore or a task that yeah. has to be done, or you know, vice versa. It's been a long day. Couples now, both most of the time, a lot of couples, both mm-hmm. of them are working. So you know, being tired mm-hmm. is a thing. It is real. And it can also oftentimes supplant sexual activity. And I think that's when the creative creativity comes in to, you know, not just address the stressful aspects of the day, but how to use that foreplay as a way to lead in as a stress yeah. reliever in terms of addressing both partners' needs and wants. That's good. Like I'll, I'll tell clients sometimes, like, you know, especially if you've been, 
we've not been having sex for a while. Right. Um, and nothing's physically wrong. Okay. That what you might want to consider doing is unsexy and unromantic as people may think this is, is to schedule it. And so just say Thursday night, nine o'clock is me and you. Right. We figure out the babysitter or if we need one, mm-hmm. most, most of my friends don't need one. We got kids. <laughs> right, right. But you know, but you know, we'll figure that out and make that time for each other and say, okay, this is our time. Maybe we get a hotel that night. Maybe we, um, you know, we go out to dinner. We have a, you know, we do something we haven't done in a while. We go dancing, right. and, you know, whenever that you can do that again, we'll go to a movie. And so you do something that's just the two of you, but you can also plan it. And that gets, that can get you excited. Like, okay, Thursday night, we're doing this. Let me get ready. That can get you excited in a way that just hoping it'll happen and yeah. it not happening will. Cause I think it's too many too many times we think it's supposed to just be spontaneous. Like, oh, I just always am in the mood. And when he shows up, his skin is glistening and my hair is blowing in the wind like Beyonce and everything is amazing. <laughs> I want my hair to blow in the wind. That's always my dream. <laughs> doesn't necessarily have to exclude the fan and the hair blowing. I mean, that could be part of it. Right. <laughs> right. But, you know, we, we think it's going to be like that and just be amazing all the time without having to put in any work and that's right. just not reality that it's- happens on sitcoms and rom-coms and yeah, movies that, that's it that's when it happens and in it doesn't life, happen that way all the time that stuff. right you need to go buy some lingerie you need to you know wash the dishes like you need to, like, right. <laughs> something <laughs> yes <laughs> Find out what the foreplay is for you. And it may be a clean sink. It may be like new sheets. It may be, you know, new smells. It may be just anything that you're like, that's going to take the pressure off of having to one more thing to think about. That's not your sexual relationship. And I think that's, that's so very important. One aspect of sex that we haven't talked about. And a lot of times we don't talk about it with, inside of relationships or inside of partnerships is consent. And it is a hot button topic, whether you're single or married man or woman. And does consent come up in sexology, especially when there might be some sex issues? Is that ever a topic that comes up that could be one of the underlying causes? Yes, I think it's I think it's very important to talk about consent. And this is this goes back to your very first question, like how has sex changed over the years? I think mm-hmm. in the 90s and probably before we never thought about consent. Like you showed right. up and, you know, if I bought you dinner, we were, you know, you, you it know, was automatic that, was, <laughs> that you were getting some. Yeah, you were getting mm-hmm. some. And so now um, I like the fact that it is there's there is more talk about consent. And, you know, do right. I want to be here? Do I want to do this? Um, uh, and, and letting that person know, like, yeah, I could be right in the middle of it and change my mind and it just needs to stop. Like I'm not giving right. consent to go past this. So yeah. I do like that, that that's happening or that it's out there. I don't, I still don't know how comfortable people are with, with saying it, especially I would say mm. our generation, like Gen X yeah. up because we, we tend to feel guilty. Like, Oh, I got here. 
I did tell him, you know, and we might go through with it. Like we might end up yeah. going through and just like, you know, as I say, star fishing it out. We're just like, I'm just mm-hmm. here. And, you know, here I am. <laughs> let him do his thing and then he'll be done. But yeah, um, because we feel bad about saying no, but I think it's really important to talk about consent and to yeah. put out there what, what that means for you in any situation, because it could be, you know, maybe we're having sex and I'm enjoying everything, but all of a sudden, you call me bitch in the middle of it. We might have a problem with that. Um, yeah. All of a sudden you whip out a paddle and spank me hard. I'm like, what just happened? You know, so mm-hmm. just even just those kind of things, um, even in the middle of, you know, if you, if you are in a BDSM and they always talk about having a, a safe word, a safe word, right. Even that, or, or having a safe, tap a nod or something because mm-hmm. maybe you're in the middle of oral sex and you can't talk you need to have right. something to say you know get off yep. <laughs> you know, i mean right. maybe you're into asphyxiation and you can't necessarily articulate yeah that. yeah so you yeah. need to mm-hmm. you do need to establish that and and so i think of consent even beyond just like yes no before right. we have sex but even in the middle of it even when i'm with you i'm not going to call the police and say you raped me but what I also don't want is for you to like beat me to death with this paddle. Like, right. Or go past the place that I do feel safe. Yeah. Even if I've consented to something that was previously, I consented to in terms of, yes, I agree. I want to explore this. I want to try mm-hmm. this. I want to do this. And I get to a point in the thing that I consented to previously that all of a sudden it's either not what I want or not what I anticipated, mm-hmm. or all of a sudden it's just not feeling good. Yeah. And how to, I guess, retract that consent in a safe way so that no one feels like anything went wrong, but it could have the potential to. And at that moment, in that place and time, no means no. Yeah. 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 And again, I think this is where I, when I talk to my friends, especially in the polyamorous community, because they communicate, this is those things, these are those things that I think as cisgender heterosexuals, we don't talk about. And we're all of a sudden we're in the middle of it and we're like, oh, that was terrible. And so then what we do, we get together with our friends over brunch. We're like, you know what it is? (laughs) Guess what? Oh my damn. Like, this is what happened. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like we, yeah, we have more of those conversations and anybody who's not your partner can't remedy yeah. it but we're having really open candid conversations kind of with each other yeah. in our sister circles and our brunches and our wine time but when it comes down like but none of your friends can address the thing that happened yeah. in that last encounter but we're not having those open conversations with partners in the same way we have with our friends and I do believe that even though I think men and women talk differently I think they're having conversations but they're having them outside of the partnership Mm -hmm. and it's like you may be getting feedback from like you said people who are still not getting that same response from their partners or what was working in their relationship might not be working in yours and vice versa and you're still getting some kind of broken responses to things that they can't fix but your partner can but that candid conversation isn't happening in the partnership and because I know for sure I definitely talk with my friends about stuff in general not necessarily stuff that's happening with my partner but stuff in general and like you know on both sides it's like I'm when it's you know they're coming to us and we're talking openly everyone's full of advice like you should do this or I wouldn't allow him to do that or I can't believe he did this 
but at the same time like they're not in your relationship so like they're everyone's offering advice but the person that can respond and engage in this same conversation in a fun way in a funny way and every other way we're not talking to and I find that that happens way uh, way more often than not and it always puzzles me like we can definitely talk to our girlfriends and I'm sure guys talk to their friends as well but we're not talking to the person who can actually affect real change Mm -hmm. and I think that still puzzles me in general but I guess there's again there's so many different layers to it in terms of talking to your partner about things versus actually talking about it with with other people who aren't necessarily Mm -hmm. invested this has been a great conversation so Let's talk about resources that you recommend for our listeners who desire to explore and learn more, whether about sexology, sex therapy, or just more about some of the terms that we talked about. What resources would you recommend? Oh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> there's so much good stuff out there. So what the book I mentioned earlier by Emily Nagoski uh, is mm-hmm. Come As You Are. I recommend that okay. men and women read that. I think it's a really good book that explains uh, primarily how desire works and how people process it. But then, you know, to understand like you can't have all of these, these things happening and inhibit them and expect like the right. sex to be amazing or happen at all. Right. <laughs> so I think that's right. a really good one. Um, I'm re- I've been reading this book that I really enjoyed. It's called the ultimate, it's called the ultimate guide to it. seduction and foreplay. Is by uh, Dr. Okay. Jessica O'Reilly and Marla Renee Stewart. And um, okay. it's really, I really like this book because it's talking about seduction and foreplay. It's not necessarily about sex, but it's about seduction and foreplay. Like, what can I, how do I talk to my partner um, using all of the senses to, to get and to really make sex uh-huh. great? Like, um, you know, we can often limit ourselves and so like the site again what does the room look like what does the space look like how can we make it how can we make it more sex friendly whatever that means is it the fabric Mm -hmm. is it the sheets like you mentioned should i have stuff on the wall you know things like that the smells should there be candles um uh the feel of things like what's touching you i i heard a lady say the other day i was at a conference and i was like oh i love that idea she said i have i keep a crock pot next to my bed of just warm towels. And I was like... Oh, I thought you were going to say about warm no, food. No. I was like, now that right there, food can be a turn on. I was like, now that, now that I never thought about. A crock pot of food by the bedside. I like now that, that could, I would, you see, you see where I went. I was like, like I'm, I'm you see, I'm a foodie at heart. And I'm like, now that smells yeah. like food. Now that could be, I never thought about that. You see where I went, but yes, a crock pot of warm tiles. Go back to that. Keep warm tiles there. So after sex play, you can clean up. I was like, I really like that. Um, But you know, but the, but the touch and feel of things, the fabric, feathers, whatever, um, using like this, uh, this smells, the taste. So you could have a crock pot of food there. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. That's that's probably where most people would insert food. I was like a crock pot yeah. of food by the bed. You Ain't that eat. something? Of that? <laughs> just eat. <laughs> see, woo, you can see where my turn ons are. You got food ready? Okay, that means we don't have to waste a lot of time. But right, crock pot with the warm towels for cleanup. And the, the taste got it. of things. It could be your partner's skin. Yes. It could be uh, their fluids. It could yes. be. You know, you might decide to, to use flavored um, massage oil on them. 
mm-hmm. and then the and then audible things. And so, is there music playing in the background? Porn in the background. Yeah. Some people like that. So, right. I mean, so having all like using yeah. all those senses, I really love. Um, I just I really like that book. I really like the ideas that she has. The other resource I would share is. Um, oh gosh, it's just on my mind. Uh, oh. Okay, I'll send it send to you. It oh, to sorry, me. I just escaped me. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's good. I was like, I don't want to, I want to yes, put I it in the show notes, but don't forget when it comes yeah. to you, it's, it'll be a good one. there's a lot of books I can recommend okay. um, that I think about like, oh, Pleasure Mechanics. That's the site. So there's a site Pleasure called Mechanics. pleasuremechanics.com. Oh, okay. Got it. And it's a website. Huh? It's a website. It's a website. Yes. Okay. And they have courses on there on foreplay and all kinds of things sexually related. I talk, I, I like to talk about foreplay a lot because sometimes couples get, they get um they get lost in the position thing they get lost mm. like we need new stuff to do and so I like right. to do more foreplay seduction things because you can pretty much okay. go anywhere and find positions um to do and like ninety of the ninety percent of them you're gonna be like my leg doesn't do that my <laughs> right I mean I've seen those books and I was like what what age was that in yeah like, I was like who because I was like, the last time I could make my body do that I was probably like um fourteen yeah. I was like I don't know if that's gonna be safe for me right now because I was like I'm at that stage where you know insurance has to kick <laughs> in when things are catastrophic and I feel like that might wind up being something that might be catastrophic for both of us. <laughs> You know, we got copays and things right. to think about, and I think that might put me like I might meet my deductible, but at the same time, like we got to make sure hip sockets stay where they should exactly. be, knees and everything else. Yeah, that we got things to think about. Things. After right, days like they did when you were yeah. there. and I'm not sure I want that to pop out in effort to get to that position. Yes, some of those things I'm like, how how was. Is that enjoyable? Even after you get there, how, how does that, how is that sustainable? But indeed, indeed. Well, that's good. That's wonderful. So Miss Renee, any parting words of wisdom in terms of how you as a sexologist views the overall sex experience, what couples can and may be able to do to enhance their sex lives and to maintain a sex life that is already in great shape? Yeah. So um, ooh, there's so much there too. So, <laughs> so one thing I'll recommend is to go to my website is the gen, it's the gen sexologist.com. And I focus, okay. um, on gen Xers and baby boomers. So, um, so my, all my, my content is around that. Like how do you experience orgasms and okay. play? how you talk to your partner? And I've been, um, doing a series about sexist relationships on uh the it won't be the first sunday in july because that's um fourth of july but the following sunday fourth of july yeah i'll be doing another season that so i want to talk about like medication side effects and those kind of things and these are things that they could come up for you younger but they're definitely coming up for a lot of people in our age bracket so i definitely want to talk about that there i'm at the gen sexologist and then i also have a podcast it's called the okay. Gen Sexy Podcast. It's Sundays at 10 a.m. And you can see all of that actually on my website. Um, at okay, Sex got Hours. it. And then, um, yeah, there's a lot of resources there. And I'll, I'll send you the link too, because I have a whole thing on like how to talk to your partner about what you want in bed as a download okay. so people can get that. 
Okay. Sounds and good. I would say as parting words on my site, I have a section called uh, mission missionary statements. And okay. I like it. <laughs> and no, that's cool. Thanks. I like it. And it's why I do this work. And so okay. I'll just share a couple of those as parting words. And so I say, um, I want to create a world of grown folks who are experiencing pleasure sexually, emotionally, and physically, where we're comfortable okay. enough to talk about sex and sexuality as easily as we discuss food in our jobs, where sex okay. isn't taboo, but treated as a normal, healthy part of being human, mm-hmm. where couples are brave enough to communicate, have fun, be adventurous, and curious about trying new things. Where people know you are never too old to explore and enjoy sex. Where penis and vagina sex is not the only definition of sex. And finally, Mm -hmm. where people try new things, celebrate their differences, and become the fullest expression of who they are sexually. And the last thing is, um, I do this, one of the, there's a show called um, Half the Sky. I believe it's on... Amazon Prime right now. And it okay. was on PBS. And so on this show, they talk about uh, this. They, they go, they take four celebrities and they go around the world. And it's all about um, educating women and kind of pulling them out of situations that they've been in prostitution and being right. sold into uh, sex slaves and that kind of thing. There's one woman mm-hmm. on the, on this show. Her name is Edna Adan and she's from Somaliland. She worked okay. for the WHO, World Health Organization, for years. And when she retired, what she always wanted to do was to go back to her home and talk about female genital mutilation, where they sew up the vulva and just leave a little, just enough there to be able to pee. But it's killing women because right. when they have babies or even menstruate, it's so painful. And many of them end up dying, especially in childbirth. Yeah. And they do this to keep women wow. from being loose. Um, you know, cut, they mm-hmm. come sometimes cut off the clitoris and they have a clitorectomy. And it's, it's horrible. The women bleed out. It's terrible. And so yeah. she went yeah. back home and she started this hospital under a tree. Like when you see it, she's like, I started right there under that tree. And people donated and wow. um, gave money. They came over and helped. They built this hospital. And she it, her goal is to train 400 women to be midwives and to go out into the villages and teach other women about uh, female genital mutilation and to help convince them to not do it so that they can have healthy babies. Right. It only costs $400 to train a woman to be a midwife where she is. And so part of what I do is I donate money to help her do that. Because when I saw that, like of all the ones I saw, they were all moving Hers was the one that made me want to get on a plane right. and like go over there. I was just like, oh, and just go and just go. Yes, um, sell it all and yeah, just, just I just go. thought it was yeah. such a beautiful story. And she's eighty three now, so and she's still doing it. Oh, wow. She's she's just she's out there. It's her yeah. mission, and I love it. I love that she wants to, yes. to teach this to women. So, um, so I do all of this for a bigger purpose. Uh, I definitely want to help Gen yes. Xers and baby boomers because sexuality is, is, is a part, it's a huge part of who, who we are and we shouldn't be ashamed of it. Yeah. It should be just, it should be just as natural as anything else. And I want us to not be ashamed of it. Right. I want us to feel free to be who we are. And I also want to help her. Feel yes. I love that. That was beautiful. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing that. 
And again, I'm going to include all that information in the show notes because I do think that's a very honorable cause. And while simultaneously walking in your path and walking in your passion, you're helping somebody else walk in theirs. And I think that's a very important thing for us to do, not only as women, but as womenhood and womanism and definitely advancing each other so that we can all get to where we want to be. And I think that's very beautiful. It's very honorable. And I'm looking forward to participating as well. Thank you so much for that inspiration. So thank Thank you so much, Miss Renee. It's been a pleasure. Um, I think we can talk about all these topics pretty much all day. Um, But I'm very excited about, um, I'm very excited about fear, desire, and love, working that that out in real life. And um, yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that tidbit. That's going to be, that's good. So hopefully we'll see yeah. each other soon. And until we do. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Thanks for joining Women's Health, Wisdom, and Wine. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply it to your own life. Also, remember to follow us, review us, and give us five stars. Till we meet again, remember, nourish your flourish.